The Bible reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapters 8 and 9. I'll give you a few seconds just to grab your Bibles and find the place. 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved, while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality, as it is written. The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honour the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. In addition, we are sending with them our brother, who has often pr proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, 
He is my partner and co-worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you in um, Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be um, ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of, ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, in 2016, I was flown to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, to run a spiritual awareness week for a school called Bingham Academy. Uh, what brought me there was the generosity of Bingham Academy. Now, when I compare Bingham Academy with the schools in Australia, materially, they really have very little. Often their power would cut out, water would stop flowing, craft supplies were hard to come by. In fact, I needed to bring all my own. Now, don't get me wrong, the school is doing an excellent job and doing very well with the resources that it has, but it was part of a third world country and so therefore had little resources like we do in Australia. 
However, it is a school that so desires its students to hear the Bible taught clearly by someone out of their context that they were willing to fly me over from Australia to do so. I thought to myself, you could have spent more money on supplies, more money on better equipment, given maybe money to students or families. But they place such a high importance on God's word being proclaimed clearly and faithfully that they were willing to put money behind this rather than enhance the school in, that, uh, in a different way. For them, it was a real joy. And the question came to my mind as I did this, how does this reflect on how we spend our money here in Australia? What priorities does our financial stewardship reflect? Well, today I want us to think through this and think through the joy of giving to Christian ministry as a first priority for our finances. I need to add that the passage that we're looking at today, uh, this talk that I'm giving uh, relies heavily on this book by John Stott. Uh, It's called The Living Church, and chapter 7 is entitled 10 Principles for Giving. Uh, This book is really excellent uh, if you'd like to read more on the topic. But let me pray as we come to look at God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can look at your word this morning. We pray that you'll inspire us to be living more for you and that this will be reflected in how we use our most precious resources, our time and our money. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first aspect of this passage that we see is that Christian giving is an expression of God's grace. Can you see there in verses 1 to 3 of chapter 8? Paul is saying that when people give to the work of gospel ministry, it is first and foremost the work of God in someone's life. When someone understands the gospel, the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ lived, died and rose again and brings all humankind, gives all humankind the opportunity to be back in a relationship with him, it brings about a change in them. A person becomes thankful to God. They turn from loving the world around them to loving God, from loving themselves to loving God. And this includes how they use their most precious resources, their time and their money. Look at the example of the Macedonian church there in verse 2. In their extreme poverty, they gave as much as they were able to, and for some, even beyond their ability. Now, doesn't that ring true of you and I now in COVID-19? We're really struggling, aren't we? Well, actually, no. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't face poverty like the Macedonians did, let alone extreme poverty. Yet they were so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ had come and that God had saved them that they gave to the ministry of God's word even out of their extreme poverty. Why? So that more people could hear and understand the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, During lockdown, I was running a a Christianity Explored group, and someone who was doing this didn't have an up-to-date Bible. So I took him around one and gave him one that we had in the office at church. Since then, he's not only reconnected with Christianity and become so excited about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for him that he bought me the other day three copies of the same Bible that I gave him and said, take these, I want you to take them out and give to other people. How good is God? And it's an appropriate response, isn't it, to the way that God is working in his life, that he gives towards gospel ministry. Why? So more people can know about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so Paul concludes this section in verse 7 by commending the Corinthians who excel in everything, who excel in faith, in speech and knowledge, in earnestness and in love to also excel in the grace of giving. And so friends, I put this same challenge before us today. God has shown us his grace immensely. We too excel in everything. We have wonderful resources. We have wonderful abilities here at St. Andrews. We are hugely blessed to live in Roseville or even on the North Shore. Let me urge you to excel in the grace of giving. Have a look at verses 8 to 9. Paul wants the Corinthians and us to know we must follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to giving. The king of the universe who was rich beyond compare because he has everything, because the world is his. Yet for our sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. And we are rich here, aren't we? Not only by the grace of God and knowing eternal life, but also by his grace, he's allowed us to live in such a beautiful place like Sydney. As I travelled to Ethiopia a few years ago, I was reminded that 90%, if not more, of the world is, is worse off than we are here in Sydney. When you live in a place where electricity turns off without a moment's warning, where the water stops flowing in the taps when it's most inconvenient, and where healthcare is nowhere near as good as we have it in Sydney, we realised we are extremely blessed living in Sydney. We must recognise it is only by the grace of God that we've born, been born here in Australia and not some other different country with these issues. Friends, God has been very good to us and so we must respond with thankfulness and this includes in how we give. Friends, are we willing to give like the Macedonians in order to see this happen, to, to, to give as much as we are able to give even beyond our own ability? Well, the second aspect of this passage is that Christian giving is proportional giving. Paul outlines this in verses 10 to 12. Uh, can you see in these verses that there is a desire amongst the Corinthians to support the ministry of the Apostle well, to give generously to the ministry financially? Paul says they were the first who were willing to give. However, they need to complete what they said they would give. Notice what it says at the end of verse 11. That is, people, the, the people who are giving need to do so according to their means. You see, people have different abilities and different means to give. Some people earn an income that is quite large, while others don't. Paul is saying those who earn this larger income should give more than those who do not. As well as this, other people's income is not consistent. There are times when more money can be given because the pay is better. And there are other times when less will be given because less is coming through in the pay package. For some, during this COVID season, this has been a very real challenge. And Paul recognises this. And he doesn't want people to give so much that they can't look after their own needs. Again, Paul uses the Macedonians as the example here. Some gave as much as they were able and other gave beyond their abilities. We too need to think about how much we can personally give and give according to our means. How much should we give? Well, Paul doesn't subscribe an amount, so neither will I. In fact, we read later on in 2 Corinthians that it's about being a cheerful giver and a joyful giver, and it's less about how much you give. But if we follow the example of the Macedonians, we should give as much as we are able. In other words, 
give so you notice. Give in a way that it's not simply a, a direct debit going out of your account that you don't even notice goes. As well as this, Paul calls the Corinthians to give in order to complete what they said that they would give. See there in verse 11. For St. Andrews, when the parish council and the wardens and I formulate a budget for the church, we ask you as a church to support this. And so you should aim to give so that the budget is reached. And with 10% of the money collected in our normal weekly collection going off to our mission and aid partners, the less we give, the less they receive. And so, friends, we should always plan to give so that we reach our set target. And when this happens, like what Paul is talking about, we're simply completing what we have said we would desire to do so. But today is a special day, isn't it? We aim to give 100% of the money given to our mission and aid partners. Today, we're hoping to raise $225,000 for them. So, friends, let me say to you, please prayerfully consider what you can give to support them. How should you give? Well, give cheerfully. Give so you notice and give so that the set budget of the church is reached. Not just for our mission and aid partners, but for our regular budget as well. And Paul says that in doing this, the goal is equality. Can you see there in verse 13? You see, the idea that it's as people give to the church according to what they have, then no one should go without. Friends, we live in a society today and within our church family, there actually should be no reason why someone goes without. There should be no need for people to become jealous of others because they have so much more. But the problem is that we have a society that teaches us to love money more than God, to love ourselves more than others. It flips around the teachings of Paul. It flips around the priorities of God. But friends, in order to follow what God teaches, we must turn away from the teachings of this world and listen to God and his word more. We need to learn to give according to our means and in a way that creates equality amongst us as a church. Well, friends, the third aspect of this passage we see is that Christian giving must be carefully supervised. Can you see in verses 20 to 21? Paul goes to great lengths to show how the giving of a Christian should be carefully supervised. You see, Paul doesn't want any accusation of misuse of the money or or dodgy collection of the money to be used against him or the work that he is doing. When this happens, it brings the gospel into disrepute. We don't need to think too hard of examples here, do we? A few years ago, the Sydney Anglican Church lost a lot of money because of bad investment strategies. The current diocese of Bathurst owes millions of dollars to the bank because of unwise decisions. We really need to be praying for Mark Calder as he navigates this as their new bishop. Or closer to home, I can remember when St. Clement's Mossman was ripped off by about $1 million by a former treasurer over 20 years ago. All of these examples show how when a money, uh, the money of the church is not carefully supervised, ministry is affected. Now, I think this is applicable for us in two different ways. First, on a church level, we need to be above reproach when we're dealing with money. This is why no full-time minister looks after the money, and we have checks and balances on those who do. It's my hope that this will continue to be the way that we deal with the finances of the church, and this will not hinder the ministry that we do. On a personal note, both the wardens and Santino, on their behalf, do an excellent job at looking after the church finances. Please be sure to thank God and thank them for the work that they do. 
But secondly, we as individuals need to think through what it means to carefully supervise our giving. This means setting up, instru- setting up structures to ensure that we give. Too often, people in the past have not set out a plan for giving to the church, and often they give out of a small change that they might have in their pocket. And with all that's happened around COVID-19, we've now moved to a more cashless giving method. While we always make provision for people to give via cash, can I really encourage you to think through how you can give via direct debit? When people give consistently and regularly to the ministry, it helps the church to stay on budget. If you'd like to give to the church via direct debit, and do not currently, information on how to do this is in the weekly news uh, on the app or on the website, or you can always speak to myself or Santino. In this same vein, it's important that you work out a priority of giving as well. There are so many Christian ministries out there that ask us for money, the local church, mission organisations, special appeals, and so on. It's important that you carefully supervise what you give and who you give to. I believe that, ch- uh, that the Bible does teach there is a priority to give in the local church. Oh, sorry, I messed that up, didn't I? Uh, that there is a priority uh, for giving to the local church. Uh, Paul speaks about it in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 18, where he says that the elders of the church uh, in the church setting are worth, worthy of double honour when it comes to support. In other words, they're to be a priority when it comes to giving because they're the ones providing the direct teaching and shepherding to those in the church. But it's not only this. The pool of those supporting the local church is often much smaller than those who are others who are seeking after our money. Organisations like World Vision, CMS, IJM, Open Doors, Anglican Aid and so on have hundreds, sometimes thousands, if not millions of people who support their ministry. But St Andrews has approximately 600 adults who attend here. This is all who support the ministry of the church. There's no money that comes in for us as a diocese, no other organisation that supports us financially. All the staff are paid out of the money we collect. 100% of the church budget comes from those who give to the church. So you can see that it's important that anyone who comes to this church supports it financially first and foremost. Because of this, I believe that people need to carefully supervise their money in the way that they give. Support your local church first, and then if you have others, more to left over to give, support other ministries and aid organisations. But remember, today is a special day where we're giving all the money collected to our mission and aid partners. And friends, I think this is a badge for our church and a model for other churches around. In fact, the passage that we're looking at today models what we do on Foundation Day. We collect money here and we send it to, out to places where we don't benefit from it, just like Paul is calling the Corinthians to do. I've been so encouraged that every year St. Andrews takes a Sunday to think beyond itself. Last year, if you add up the 10% that was collected through our regular giving, plus our Foundation Day giving, St. Andrews gave nearly about $350,000. That is absolutely fantastic. Friends, keep it up, but do so with the mindset, support the local church first and foremost, and then give to these mission and aid partners. So friends, let me urge you to give generously today and to promote careful supervision of your giving so that the gospel will not be brought into disrepute. Well, friends, the final aspect of this passage is that Christian giving can be stimulated by a little friendly competition. See there in verses 1 to 5 of chapter 9. You see, friends, when we hear of how much other churches are giving, it can create a bit of friendly competition. 
I meet regularly with ministers from other churches. And a few years ago, I met with a certain minister who had only been at his church for a year. Prior to him, the church he was at had grown phenomenally, numerically. In fact, it was about twice the size of the church that I was serving at. But when he showed me his church budget, the actual giving for his church was the same one that I was at, yet we were half the size. He couldn't believe it. And so he took the figures from our church and from another couple of churches without naming them and outlined them to his church and showed them how much we were giving compared to them. Well, you'll be happy to know their budget increased by 50% and they responded by giving to it and supporting the church well. And this is Paul's point, isn't it? When you hear about how generous other churches are being, it can help motivate people to give. Now, friends, I'd really want to reiterate here, I believe that those who attend this church are excellent givers. Let me encourage you. I want to commend you for this, especially during COVID. But let me urge you that our job is not yet done. We have a real opportunity to end the year off well and also keep ourselves in good stead for the coming year to ensure we don't need to dip into our savings. We are seeing a growing ministry here. Despite COVID times, the youth group has almost doubled in size. In late August, we had about 95 kids along to the youth group. People are joining our church online. People are becoming Christians through the Christianity Explored group. People, in fact, are watching our live stream from all over the world. Someone in New York tried to sign up for our Christianity Explored group before realizing there's a big time difference between New York and us. Isn't this just wonderful? People have been hearing the good news of Jesus and putting their trust in him and so on. Friends, this is a ministry worth supporting. But friends, Paul never subscribes to what we should give, so neither will I. But he does call people to fulfill their responsibilities. So let me encourage you to do this. See there in verse 7. We need to search our hearts. We need to be informed by the principles of the Bible and work out what we can give accordingly. As we do this, It can lead to thankfulness and joy. See how Paul says this in verse 12. When people give to the church, it helps to supply the needs of many. However, it's also a sign of thankfulness to God for all he has done for you. Others praise God when they hear of the great generosity of the people in this church and how they give and support the ministry. I know that people thank God for the saints here at St. Andrews. Friends, I am so thankful to God for all of you. And so let me urge you to keep it up. Well, friends, let me quickly conclude. The ministry of this church is well worth supporting and it's bringing forth fruit. God is growing his kingdom here in Roseville. But a true sign of growth is how a Christian uses their most precious resources, their time and their money to build God's kingdom. It shows that you're giving your all to his kingdom and to see his name growing in the world. But your giving needs to be done in a response to all that God has done for you not out of a command or compulsion and not done so reluctantly. God loves a cheerful giver, not one who gives for any other reason. So friends, today, with great joy, let's show our love to our mission and aid partners. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, help us to excel in the grace of giving. Help us respond to all that you have done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ and help us to support our mission and aid partners well today. We pray this for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name.